This time, on No Not The Mind Probe, episode number 94, Just One of the Sarcophagi. Welcome to no, not, not the mind probe. No, I just can we? Uh, yeah, can we? Can we focus up, everybody? No, no. Actually, the last one was a bit of frustrating. Maybe I'm having a frustrating day. Like I, I got to pick a more <laughs> joyful line reading. Uh, I feel like the last one was also a, a frustrated. Uh, Ryan, I guess you know. You know what? If you this is, it's like I'm on a, it's like I'm on a Kubrick film at this point. We've been, we've been running this line 94 times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just. Just stick with it, right? Just that's where uh, you're gonna find it. You're gonna find it on right? that 150th one. Like that's. I I will say, this is since it's relevant because it's genre specific. But uh, I read an interesting story about Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, which is a fantastic one, uh, and William Shatner gives a very good performance. Uh, but uh, there's a famous scene at the end or in the middle where uh, Khan and Kirk are facing off in the Enterprise and Reliant, uh, and. Uh, um, Kirk's played some trick and he's about to, he's about to fire the phasers at, at the con, uh, and Khan's not expecting it or whatever. And Kirk has to deliver the line. Here it comes. And, uh, he's delivered, he's sort of overacting it. I know it's hard to believe but William Shatner was sort of overplaying <laughs> it a little bit like, here it comes, here it comes. And, uh, uh, so the director, Nicholas Meyer, just kept making him do it over and over and over and over again until he got bored uh, and then he stopped trying. And that's that was the line. They ended up <laughs> so so there you go. So I think that's what Porter's doing here. We're going to get right. the no, not the mind probe line uh, out uh, and we'll finally get it right um, before we hit episode. I guess 150 if we're, if we're well, 150. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just once we once we run out of new, it's going to get confusing at some point. But anyway, okay. well. you'll figure this out. If you tune into this podcast where we watch and rank the first 300 Doctor Who uh, stories, the first 300. Uh, the, after that, you're on your own, folks. You're on your own. Uh, right. I mean, we can only coddle you so far. We can we can get you a good start and then uh, and then you're on your own, which is what Porter writes in all of his kids birthday cards. Uh, I'm going to get you a good start <laughs> and then you're on your own. <laughs> My name's John Grant uh, and I'm a, I'm a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I've been watching it for, for 39 years. My name is Porter Mason. John asked me to watch Doctor Who for 27 years and three years ago. Yeah, three yeah, years ago. Like finally said yes. Yeah, here we are. Um, and at this point, are. I mean, I'm a Doctor Who fan, too, so I yeah. don't know. But yeah, you're in each episode of this podcast. We look at two stories. We go through the mid mid Doctor mid Who. Who. Yeah. And then, in, in order. And then the uh, the original uh, Who. Eccleston, Tennant, Smith, Capaldi. Whitaker. Whitaker years. Tennant again. <laughs> uh, what's that? Well, we won't get to Tennant. Yeah, just up to Whitaker. Yeah, yeah up to Whitaker. And then uh, what John does is he pairs that current story that we're in in that timeline with a classic story. John, what do we have in store for this episode? All right. Well, we're going to kick off with a talk about the next brief discussion of the, la- the most recent or the next special. Uh, yeah. So the we, uh, for the for the, for the stories yeah. past 300, yeah. as we're doing this, we we're are going to check in on them in real time. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, we won't give you the full, we won't give you the full mind probe workup. That's <laughs> no, that takes no. too much time. I have to watch it at least five times before I can even begin that. But then, uh, uh, and then, uh, yes, we're going to move forward in the Capaldi Coleman era. 
with uh, uh, the next uh, story picking up from the uh, the seemingly shocking breakup of the Doctor and Clara at the end of yeah, Kill Clara's the Moon. out, so Clara yeah, won't Clara's be in this out. one, obviously. So, yeah, probably so. not. Yeah, moving on. Uh, new characters, but uh, they will be traveling on the Orient Express in space uh, where they encounter a mummy in the aptly titled Mummy on the Orient Express. Uh, and obviously taking my cue from the Egyptian themes um, of having a mummy, a uh, very classic uh, depiction of the mummy uh, uh, in this one. Uh, we're going back to the fourth Doctor era, the fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith in the classic Pyramids of Mars. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to, to John's contributions to this episode because he is actually an encrypted mummy. <laughs> he has not been alive for thousands of years. Yeah. Um, it's part of his charm, just part of yep. his thing. So yep. I can't I wait. And we've never broached that, that subject no, no. In, on this show, but it is true. <laughs> um, no, but John did go to, to Egypt and he also and did. I've been on the Orient Express. This is going to be a bumper episode. I did ride on the Orient Express. So. About me. If you tune into this podcast to hear about me. And I bet you do. Uh, I guess if you're my mom, you probably do. But my mom, my mom actually doesn't listen. <laughs> um, then, uh, then this is the app for you. But we got to start with a wild boo yonder. Oh gosh, I keep forgetting. Yes, yeah. the wild boo yonder. Okay, so, so. picture it, Sicily. <laughs> We're in special number two here. Yeah. Aired on December second, I think. Yes. And so we have Doctor and Donna, and the, at, at the end of the last special i sh- we should say <clears throat> the whole plot happened and then donna was basically donna and the doctor are like can we just can we just go have an adventure now that we know like everybody knows everything we're all back the world's saved great can we just go have like one of the old days like one of the adventure and her family is like sure like go for it but come back right here after and so the, this spills is coffee on the tardis and then yeah. she spills coffee on the tardis and it goes haywire so then we start in this special, them, the, the result of that, the charge is going weird. It kind of ejects them out and they're on, they're trying to figure out where they are. They're on this spaceship. They find out that there's Huge. another doctor and Donna there. Or we slow, we slowly start to find out there's a, a slow nice burn. set of scenes where the doctor and Donna are talking to each other. And then slowly we realize like, wait, are we cutting between two different scenes or do they think they're talking to each other right now? And slowly we realize the doctor is talking to a fake Donna and the Donna is talking to a fake doctor. <coughs> we find out we're on the edge of the universe, right? Yeah, very far edge of the universe. Because Donna looks out and says, why are there no stars? And he's like, because this is it. Like, yeah, that's, you know, that is. And there's these beings on the spaceship that came from the another universe. Yeah. Or came from, you know, whoever's out past the edge of the universe. I guess they showed right. up. Uh, they're coming. But from they're that, malevolent. Or... Like they're not. They're they're. Yeah. They're bad. Not, good, not, good not good creatures. And we find out that the spaceship has been abandoned. And so slowly we start to see that these <clears throat> beings are trying to we don't we're trying to get what they are. We're trying to figure out what they want. Are they trying to kill them right now? We realize they're trying to copy them. Yeah. Because then they can learn how to pilot the spaceship or pilot the TARDIS. Right. And then kind of become entrenched in our universe. Yeah. Like the more they see and talk to them, the more they can become like them, I guess. And we realize that the previous pilots of this ship killed themselves because they realized that they were if if they were successfully copied, then these beings would know how to get back 
because they seem unable to learn except from other living beings. They cannot right. learn anything on their own. Right. And then they, they're being set in motion, a very slow self-destruct. There's a robot that's been very slowly. And I don't why, remember and why, why it was did so they, slow. <laughs> yeah. I, what, they were moving slow in general to prevent the beings from learning. But I don't know why they made the self-destruct sequence slow. Yeah. Maybe it's something like if they, as long as they didn't think, yeah, maybe it's something about the slowness prevented them from realizing what was going on to stop it. Like, they By the way, that robot looked. It. So much like the Hitchhiker's Guide yeah, movie Marvin, robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marvin the Paranoid Intro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you like this episode? I'm curious. Did you? What was your take? I really like this episode. Okay, good. All right. and, I have to say the very beginning was kind of like, like when they were just doing a lot of the Disney CGI graphics driving yeah. around the spaceship. I was like, okay, like clearly someone's just sort of having fun with the yeah, money because it was so clearly like only these two actors, yeah. no, one, no one else. But then just <laughs> this huge set. So I was like, oh, okay. But as it went on and the just the Stephen Moffat plot of this of like, yeah. how do they fight against the evil versions of themselves and kind of they have to like the doctor has to solve the problem. But as the doctor, the quicker the doctor solves the problem, yeah, the quicker guess, yeah. than his, his version of himself it. Yeah. can solve it, too. And like, I thought that was all really interesting. OK, this is, so see, this, is this is interesting. So so. There are a lot of people disappointed by it, uh, including me a little bit, mm-hmm. because uh, and and Russell Davies actually acknowledged this in some of the post uh, stuff. They they set up all this secrecy uh, about it. like there were no uh, one scene from this only in the trailer for the specials, no others. Uh, Doctor Who magazine they did a little preview of each of these uh, specials uh, and they redacted the cast list like they were like you know none of the other cast uh, are listed and so they amped it up to this, this big secret thing and so everybody kind of all you know if you're following us all the fans and everybody like oh this it's the 60th anniversary Matt Smith Peter Capaldi Rose oh they wanted more guest stars and, <laughs> right yeah, this yeah, is yeah. going to be it they're not showing us any of this because they can't it was all filmed in studio so of course you don't there's no leaks or anything like that. <clears throat> So everybody spent the whole episode being like, "It's it, Matt Smith, Matt Smith, coming right now, right? He's coming around the corner." Uh, and then like you get to the end, there's like ten minutes left, and you're like, "I, they're really going to shortchange Matt Smith at this point." And so, so clearly, yeah. that's the next special because like you know, <laughs> well, this then, one so, was like the show in the bottle, like yeah, it was. And and the thing is, yeah, I remember watching it with uh with Mike, and we were just kind of like, "No, oh, this was this was a really good episode of Doctor Who, like a really solid Doctor Who right. episode." But like I was expecting an anniversary episode, uh, and and so it was a little like I, so, I could see I think, that. Yeah, so I, I have to say ahead of the the next story, the giggle, which is the final uh, of the three. I your stopped, arms were like crossed, like, well, this better yeah, be yeah. something. Like, you know. <laughs> I, I stopped reading the hype, and I was kind of like, I'm I'm very uh, the last guy did not do much publicity. Russell D. Davies really knows how to do hype and publicity, but even I towards the end was like, you know what, Russell, I think you need to shut up now. I think you're maybe a little too much uh, talking because it's always. <laughs> Oh, and then something exciting is going to happen in this one that you're never expecting. And then, oh, a huge change. Like, he's teases. He's very good at teasing, but it's becoming, it's teasing. And it's kind of, like, annoying now. And, like, I mean, again, I love. And, uh, but so I thought this was, I just well, ignored it. And so, yes. I understand the the hype or the buildup. And I, I get that. I didn't have that for it. Right, yeah. But I thought this was funny. It had legit, it was well written. Yes. It had legitimately funny parts to it. I want to rewatch and, it. Cause I do want to reevaluate it without now. Cause yes. Uh, and I've heard from other people. Like, oh yeah, it was great. And it was, it was scary. It had it's some creepy moments. Definitely. Uh, I love the throwaway effects. thing to Isaac Newton at the beginning. Yes. And then the Mavity. <laughs> like, Mavity. <laughs> I was just, I, I just really enjoyed it. And, and I enjoyed this in a way that I didn't enjoy the first one as much. 
because this one to me seemed more like like I was actively I was like I want to know what will happen at the end of it. Yeah. With the last one, I was like, I don't know. I imagine they're gonna kill this little <laughs> like fur Furby looking thing at some point. Like I, I just wasn't that wrapped up in it. And then this was also <laughs> gives us uh the nice little ending. And this was why the cast was redacted. And so it was a nice little surprise. You get uh, um, you yeah. get Mott, uh, Wilford Wilford Mott at the end uh, who passed away Richard. last year, right? He did. Uh, and so uh, it's not a spoiler. Russell Davies said after this one, it was dedicated to Bernard Cribbins. Uh, and Russell Davies said after this, he's like, this was the final appearance of, of Wilford. Uh, he he filmed just a little before he passed away, and they did not have enough um, to include him in anything else. So they were like, we'll make this his final. Uh, his final moment. So yes, in a lovely, lovely little scene, uh, and you get to see him, which was nice. Um, and then he was just then the beginning of the next episode, he's just brutally murdered. It was just, <laughs> it was just a, yeah, oh, like a, like. A, All right. So next next episode, we will talk about in the next third episode. special. But then let me let me just ask you this because yeah, that's already out for those of you listening now. That, mm-hmm. That's been out. That came out on the 9th Yep. Of December. Yeah. But. When have they said when the first season one, as it's not mm, going to be called, mm-hmm. when will that come out? Well, so you're going to get uh, we get the the episode to giggle. Then on Christmas Day we get the first uh, Shooty Gatwa story. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, yeah. Christmas Day. Uh, so they back to the Christmas specials, but then we don't know. Then it's going to be maybe sometime in the spring. Is I think what I'm hearing. Um, Russell Davies has said there will be no huge gaps anymore like there'll be a new series every year which probably disney is like "Mm, dude and the uh and so they finished filming series one they're halfway through filming series two at this point they've actually written Mm, the second right so what everybody thinks is happening is russell davis is like let's knock a few of these out uh and then we'll turn our attentions to the spin-offs uh and all the other stuff that's going to be coming uh as part of that's already confirmed and planned a bunch of spin-offs and stuff yes uh it was part of the deal uh with disney nobody's sure what Everybody's pretty confident. I I share this that there's going to be a unit spinoff. Um, that they're setting With up Kate all these characters and Kate and uh, and um, uh, I can't remember her name. That the the scientist in a wheelchair. Uh, uh, I forget her name now. Who's great? But um, uh, and yes, they're setting up. Uh, they're clearly setting up a unit spinoff. It seems like, but uh, there'll be yeah. others as well. All right. All right. Well, let's turn Enough our attention to the the main business. The yeah, the, the present. Let's get to the past. The real the. The driver of this economy yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> Why no, people tune into Mind Probe? Why all twelve of you listen? <laughs> Mommy on the Orient Express. This yeah. is series eight, episode eight, story number two hundred and forty-nine uh, of three hundred Doctor Who stories. Yeah. Uh, it aired on the eleventh of October in two thousand and fourteen, and uh, this is well. Again, we as we said, notably, it is Clara. Uh, Danny's there, but it, Clara's really the companion. Yeah. Danny is. Yeah. He has a he has a speaking part, yeah. Um, but he, yeah. yeah, but it's really Clara and uh, and the Twelfth Doctor. Mm. So uh, let us listen to a clip from Mummy on mm. the Orient Express. Mm. Focus, focus, focus. All of that is your grief, your trauma, your resentment. And now it's mine. It's gone. It's not enough for me because now it thinks I'm you. Start the clock. Hello. I'm so pleased to finally see you. I'm the doctor and I will be your victim this evening. Are you my mummy? <laughs> you can't hurt me until my time is up, I think. So, are there magic words? Is there a way to stop you in your tracks? Oh, you really didn't like your grand, did you? Something visible under the bandages. 
By the way, you weren't being paranoid. She really did poison your pony. <gasps> Markings like the ones on the scroll. Oh, and your father. Sorry. <laughs> a tattered piece of cloth attached to leather wood that you will kill for. 30 that seconds. That doesn't sound like a scroll. That sounds like a flag. And if that sounds like a flag, if this is a flag, that means that you are a soldier. Wounded in a forgotten war thousands of years ago. But they've worked on you, haven't they, son? State-of-the-art phase camouflage, personal teleporter. Ten seconds. And all that tape inside you, it just won't let you die. Well, it won't let the war end. It just won't let you stop until the war is over. We surrender! Well, yeah, and it's a, spoilers. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> John picked the clip that is the climactic it point of the, the entire episode. Moment, yes, but it is a wonderful Peter Capaldi moment. That's why I went with it. It's great. One of his best. <laughs> So, okay, so we're on the Orange Also, Express. if you're getting spoiled, if you're listening to this before <laughs> you watch any of these programs, you yeah. need to, I, we should spoil more of them for you because you really need to rethink your whole approach. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out there. So we're on the Orient <laughs> Express, but this In is. Space. Yeah, they do a very clever Doctor yeah. Who joke about this where it's like. It's Orient Express in space. And then they just like, and he's like, but it's just like the original Orient Express. But then there are all these things that are so clearly fantastical and futuristic about it. Yeah. At any rate, it is, I imagine, well, the thought is kind of like the current day Orient Express is that it's something that you can take on as kind of a lark, as kind of a tourist thing. Yep. Yep. And that's what everyone's on this as. And that, you know, you get dressed up like the period. And then, but what we find out is it's not quite that at all. And everyone on it, including the doctor, seems to have been gathered to... Uh, for a reason that they're all experts about this period of time and are talking about this legend of the foretold, which is when this mummy appears to you, but only you for a very brief moment, a minute and six seconds Mm -hmm. and then kills you. And everyone around you thinks you're just kind of going crazy and then you appear to have a heart attack and die. And then lo and behold, (laughs) this happens. And what we start seeing is that like, People on the train one by one are getting picked off and it has a very mur- murder on the Orient Express feel. And then mm-hmm. the doctor realize, realizes this isn't even really happening in the way that we think it is. We've been gathered. This is clearly this this foretold entity is on this train, but someone has brought us here to try to figure out what it is and stop it. Mm-hmm. And then the facade comes down further. It looks more just like a laboratory. And everyone on the train is there to solve who this is and the computer what's been calling itself the computer gus Gus. is actually the being who's brought them together we actually don't end up learning much more about them right yeah no we really don't know who gus is built by or where where i was going on there but yes gus is trying to is that a through line is that ever come back to no (laughs) Huh. <laughs> trying to i think it Gus feels was, like one of those bad wolf things I'm like, yeah oh, maybe no this it's at least maybe let me who knows uh maybe it is maybe i missed it like, i don't think it it's hasn't so far this decade yeah but, but you like, don't you never know. know yeah uh someone will pick it up uh and i think gus's motivation was trying to weaponize it right or something uh, huh. foretold the foretold is some mythical people know about it right and they're experts on it who are on the train and they gus is trying to maybe wants to turn it into a weapon or something like that right. capture it yeah, because there's a there's a sarcophagus on the train that they were going to put it it's in. It's meant to capture it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, <clears throat> by the way, Clara... Oh, we should say the Clara oh, plotline yeah. here is that she did indeed end the last thing saying, like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of hear her... And Actually, I think a, a really nice scene with Danny saying, like, 
look, I've heard he 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 says is like I've heard this talk before. It sounds like me when I was leaving the army, and I did it. Um, but I wasn't ready to do it at this point yet because you're so too angry about it. You need yeah. to say all this stuff in a calm way, and that's when you'll know you're really done. Right? Yeah, you're not done with someone if you can hate them or something like that. He has a good yeah. line about that. Yeah. So, but Clara has clearly told the doctor and said, like, "Hey, this is my last." thing hurrah so let's, let's do something Somewhere fun nice. mm-hmm. you know and Which so she gets a little well. a little peeved as things go along because she's like this is still a caper yeah you know this is still something and she figures out that so he uh yeah she figures out that he knew something might be up uh right. and uh and also if you remember uh at the end of the very first uh matt smith season with amy and rory uh when they get married uh and then they come on the tardis he gets a phone call mm-hmm. and he says something about like there's a mummy on the Orient Express in space. Uh, and then like it's sort of like an enticement thing to them. And um, Peter, uh, the doctor later says in this episode, it. he's like, oh, uh, yes, this is they've tried this. This computer's tried a couple times, I guess. Or there's been several attempts to get me onto this train. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen with the computer and stuff. But like someone had been trying to get him on that train for a while. Speaking so, of callbacks in that little run there, did he say, are you my mummy? Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Which is a callback to the nice little callback. Yep, uh, gas mask one. Um, gas mask, yeah. Uh, the Stephen Moffat. Child, yeah. Uh, empty child, yeah. Empty child. Doctor the doctor dances. dances. Yep. Okay, so anyway, so Clara's a little put off <laughs> by this, but also is kind of into. Like, she's both put off and also does get excited by these capers, and yeah. you know, is roped in. What we end up finding is that they figure some things out as it's happening, and they figure out. Well, the being seems to attack the weakest first. Then we realize like, so then they kind of know who's going to come next. And then Clara is with this woman and the doctor throughout, not just Clara, but to the other people is being the doctor. And I'd say particularly the Peter Capaldi doctor, but actually watching Pyramid of Mars and some of these is like, this is kind of always who the doctor is, is he's doesn't not, it's not that he doesn't value each life. It's right. just he's always big picture. So he's right. like, I'm not going to take time. I think he says it here. He's like, when someone has a gun to your head, you don't have time to grieve about the last person shot. Like, you know, you're you're you deal with that later. Like, yeah. Yeah. And as soon and, as someone sees the. Uh, yeah, he realizes they, they start to realize when people are going to start seeing the thing and they start the clock and all that kind of stuff. And he's just like. You have to tell us, tell us everything you're seeing. Like, don't. And the guy's like, I'm, I'm dying. He's like, let well, me yes, choose you're dead. how to die. Yeah, you're, you're dead. It's, but you can help us. Uh, you can help save other people if you help us give us information and stuff. And like then that. as yeah. soon as someone does die, he's immediately like, okay, what can we know? What can we do? And yeah. they're like, can we just have a second here? Like someone was just killed in front of us. He's like, and he's like, no, like we, we don't have this. And the same with Clara. He, he says, like, tell her whatever you need to. Tell her I can save her. Get her over here so we can, mm-hmm. like get another data point about how this is going to work. I do this at funerals to this day. I'm like, what did she say on the way out? What did she, did we learn anything useful? Did she say anything about an afterlife? Come on, people. So One Clara, of us is next. <laughs> Clara does lie and get some woman over there. And then, um, you know, pretty quickly, like, I forget what he says or does, but then she, she breaks on this and says like, you, you're doing this again. Like you're just, right. You have no care about any of like you don't care. And but then he immediately and that's what this the beginning of this scene. Yeah. So he takes on her. Yeah. He takes on like her emotions, essentially. Yeah. Like her grief, I think, is like, yes, there's some because that's what is attracting and saying. Yeah. That's what's like weakening her. So he takes it on and then does this whole thing, which does end up short serting. We find out it's a, a being caught in another phase 
another dimension, if you will. And uh, once he kind of, again, tells the soldier to be at ease, they're able, the soldier's able to kind of like pass on. And right. was anyway. over in the nanotechnology, whatever's keeping the line. And so, and, and, and then he says afterward too, he says like, look, of course I'm going to try to save her, but I don't know if I'm, I, I didn't know if I, could, I couldn't save these other two people. So I can't tell her I'm going to save her. I ended up being able to save her. Mm. This is how it is. Like, it's just, you know, this is always how it is. And I, I thought there was just like, and I think, Again, I think this is always the doctor. Some of them maybe have more compassion than others. Yeah. But this is always the doctor of like, he's always trying to do good. But the details along the way of like, he will be very mathematical about some of those things along the way. And um, Capaldi is a particularly good uh, mouthpiece for this, I think. Yeah. I, this yeah, doctor is a good mouthpiece. Like, I don't have time to deal with all this BS. Like, yeah. let's just, you know. So then at the end, she still is going to go. And then. Like when she she just has a brief conversation with Danny, they don't talk about any of that. She just say like, "No, I'm coming home, still coming home." And then when she comes back, she's just like, "Never mind, I'm all in. I'm gonna stay." So I really like this episode, but this Clara whiplash back and forth is still dumb to me. And in fact, her thing at the end where she's like, "Now I'm all in," and that like the adrenaline was good, and I want to keep doing it. I didn't buy that just mm. as much as I didn't buy the like. Yeah. Thing at the end of the last episode where suddenly she hated all of this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I really like the episode, but just that, that little piece of arc that is not an arc that clearly just goes away now was yeah. really odd to me. Well, so you needed, so it's clear and we'll see this in subsequent episodes. Uh, so she's basically going to lie to Danny now. She's basically like, it's over. We, we're done. Um, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then she went back to, the doctor and was like, Danny's good with it. I'm all in. Like, let's go. And uh, so that obviously is going to set up the conflict for the latter half of the season, which is interesting. Yeah. She's kind of, yeah, again, because I I think you and I are in the same boat. If we didn't buy the first thing, then the reversal doesn't really work. Uh, We didn't buy her anger in the last one. So, but I like the, I do think there's the underlying thing of she's kind of, she's an adrenaline junkie, right? She's kind of, she loves doing this stuff uh and she gets into it uh and so i think that's that's what she's doing um i love this episode too i think this is this is probably the first classic capaldi uh episode um it's really strong um their uh the their dynamic is really good this is written by jamie matheson matheson uh it's one of the he's not he's done written scripts for other shows but he hasn't done a ton of stuff um so he just kind of comes out of the gate really strong this is the first one he writes actually the next story in the Capaldi run here too but comes out of the gate really strong it's an excellent story. Uh, the voice of the computer is John Sessions, who oh. is famous from Whose Line Is It Anyway? is sort of an improviser and voice artist. And uh, uh, he was, well, and Porter and I met oh, because of Whose Line Is It Anyway? If it weren't for that show and those British, the old British reruns on uh, on Comedy Central, we never would have met in college. So That's thank true. you, John Sessions. Dead now. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with it. Also, props to Perkins, the, the pseudo companion of the, the engineer, the train engineer character who becomes sort of the doctor's sidekick when Clara is, is uh, with the other person that is played by a comedian whose name is Frank Skinner. I think he's a fairly well-known comedian in the UK. And I was, cause I didn't know that this complete turn was going to happen. I was like, he was taking over. As this new- guy might be a companion. <laughs> like, and, and the thing I was thinking about was actually that how with Donna only being like a slight exception, it's like, gosh, we've only <clears throat> had these companions young that are like, Young, pretty women, yeah. you know, and so I was like, oh, this would be nice to have this just like 
Yeah, especially with Capaldi. Like, oh, you know, I I can see the BBC being like, no, you can't have. There has to be someone young for the audience (laughs) to identify. Like, all right, but uh, and it probably killed. So he does offer him. The doctor kind of offers him at the end, like, oh, you can come along if you want. And it had to have killed Frank Skinner to say no because he is a huge Doctor Who fan. Oh wow! And they even had they said some interview like they were like. Yeah, he was. He got the call to to be in the show or the offer to be in the show, and he was like, "Oh, I was actually in the middle of watching the Colony in Space episode three when you called." <laughs> like oh my so, gosh! Yes, huge fan, uh, and does a great job. Uh, yeah, I think he's excellent. Also, apparently, at the beginning, uh, when they first get on the train, there's the singer in there singing songs. Yeah, she was good. She's named Foxes, and that is apparently a famous singer. It was a big. It was sort of announced, oh, she's going to be in the show, but then she only has that one bit where she's singing a song. But apparently, she's a big deal. But she's fine. And yes, this is set uh, on the Orient Express, which I have been on, not the one in space, but I've been on the actual Orient Express many years ago. Uh, and this is a so it's not the most faithful recreation. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. It's not it's not strictly accurate. The one um, many of the depictions, including in the recent Mission Impossible movies, there's a very accurate depiction uh, of the Orient Express. And in an effort to get us uh, free tickets on the Orient Express, I will just point that is the Venice Simbon Orient Express. This is an excellent trip uh, that I highly recommend to people. We went from Venice to Paris over a couple of nights uh and it was you know you have to be uh it was very cool you have to be in black tie for a dinner you have to have to wear uh taxes uh including women no just kidding. uh <laughs> but black tie attire um for dinner and you go sit in the in the club car and you have uh, uh they have a bar there and you uh, listen to they had a singer actually in the club car too uh and uh very very cool so uh i highly recommend folks the venice simplon orient express that is the mind probe uh, we're gonna just Okay. Do the advertisement for that. Uh, and if uh, if you need to send Porter and I on a free trip, we could record an episode live from the Orient Express or Love live to, to tape. Uh, we could do this one again. I don't. Yeah. I kind of think this is our <laughs> our first shot at it. So I think we could do that this one again. Yeah, we do another run of this. Whatever. They're very special uh, Orient Express uh, episode. But uh, yes, uh, I this is a great episode. I really like this. So let's move on to our classic story. Another mm-hmm. Egyptology themed people love uh, episode. Doctor Who loves Egypt. The Pyramids of Mars. Pyramids. This is season 13, story number three. This is the 82nd Doctor Who story ever. Mm-hmm. It's a four-parter. It aired October 25th to November 15th, 1975. So this predates John and I's birth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's it's interesting that the world existed prior to us. I, I'm still not clear. I'm not sure it did, but um, yeah. Well, this episode would would be proof of it but unless it's all staged it's yeah, really it's hard to like say. the dinosaur bones they were all put there by jesus that's right yeah. <laughs> to fool by us. him by him himself yeah. jesus single-handedly he was like all right i gotta get these dinosaur bones down i gotta get these tapes of doctor who in <laughs> you know a lot, of, a lot of work to do <laughs> we have the fourth doctor we have sarah and we have sutek oh yeah and big old sutek coming in we hot. will uh hear a clip now that john has found from this episode mm-hmm. You will not die yet. Identify yourself. Just destroy me, Sutek. Nothing else now is left within your power. Identify yourself. It is within my power to choose the manner of your death. I can, if I choose, keep you alive for centuries, racked by the most excruciating pain. Since your interference has condemned me forever to remain a prisoner in the Eye of Horus, it would be a fitting end. You would make an amusing diversion. Identify yourself, please. 
plaything of Sutek. Great voice. That is a, I want that voice. That's like the Good. James Earl Jones of English. It's Gabriel Wolf. W-O-O-L-F. Sutek. Uh, and I love the both the, the deep voice, but also the... Uh, the enunciation, everything Sutek. is like Sutek. I am. He's like, and I do believe he does had has done, or I think he's passed away, but did do a lot of radio, which would make uh, sense. It makes me want to work on my diction more for this podcast. <coughs> By the way, Sutek, mm. when we saw the skeleton of the previous pilot in the previous episode, mm. similar could be a being similar yeah. to Sutek. Yeah, it's got that that jackal look uh, yeah. from um, yeah the Egypt the Typhonian animal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> so I'm going to tell you some basic stuff that I <laughs> gleaned from what happened, <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot more to it. I said it's one of your favorite <laughs> episodes, but you know, um, in in basic, it's kind Wait, of you're a, do this in basic. Okay, go to yeah. line go to one. Line line. <laughs> no, I mean the basic story is. <clears throat> Similar to like an Indiana Jones, I feel like episode. Mm-hmm. We're excavate. We're we're here with a a professor excavating a pyramid. He finds like a door to a secret chamber that's perfectly preserved. Mm-hmm. Everyone else runs out because they see a certain inscription on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He goes in. <coughs> excuse me, and he's clearly we get seen. He gets hit by like a green the light. green he, light. Yeah, he becomes possessed by something it, it, which is Sutek. The doctor and Sarah Jane, they just end up in the. In, they're trying to get to unit. I think right. Yes. So there, there was just an episode. Uh, I think a Terror of the Zygons had ended, and they were going to go back to um, Unit HQ to London. And they were going to take the TARDIS, uh, and then yes, so far they've gone to like alien planets and everything. So they're just keep trying <laughs> to get back to Unit. So they show up, and Sarah Jane, I think right away, <laughs> sees like a weird thing going on, and no one, no one listens to her. Yeah, but they, they're at like an English estate, and the butler finds them, and they're they're at the Scarman estate, and Marcus Scarman is who we we just saw mm-hmm. getting taken over by Professor Sutek. Scarman. Mm-hmm. And you know, basically, they're trying to figure out what's going on, but what is going on is he's been taken over. He's slowly doing the bidding of Sutek to kind of bring him back into this world, mm-hmm. and um. Well, he's trapped in a pyramid. He's trapped in the pyramid in Egypt. Right. Uh, and yes, he's trying to break him out. He's trapped by so, by Horus. So Scarman is like reanimating mummies and like all these things are happening. And the the doctor is trying to stop this. The mummies look a little funny to me. They're very barrel chested. Well, they're robots, right? They're robot mummies. Robot mummies. Yeah. Well, he so makes them, the, I guess. Yeah. Well, so the, the Osirens were uh, oh, right, the gods, right? right? And so, had, so, right. So Tutek is an alien being, right? Yeah, he's a, right. he's the Osirens. They became the gods of Egypt because. Of, <coughs> so basically, it, it buys into yeah. that whole conspiracy theory that like Egypt right. was founded by aliens. Yeah. And is it who's. I'm confused. Is the person who's making all the inventions. Is that also the butler? No. Um. Uh, that's uh, Mar- uh Lawrence Scarman, Scarman's brother. His brother. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's, it's, it's very. It's not really explained, but like Marcus Scar, it's clearly like Marcus Scarman is the older brother and must and so lives in the giant house on the estate. Uh, and then Lawrence is his younger brother and lives yeah. in like the lodge somewhere on the estate, like a little tiny house, which is like. And a, he's like a scientist and inventor. Yeah. And he's essentially invented like television <laughs> and like all these things. <laughs> he invented the radio telescope. Yeah. And he got this interesting uh, signal coming mm-hmm. from, from Mars. And we have some nice, they do a nice bit of interaction with the doctor and Sarah kind of telling him that they're from the future and him not understanding. And there's, he becomes kind of the companion in 
second in command uh, for for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Device companion. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he joined up with them. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> and he also refuses to believe that, like in a very similar tone as Capaldi and Mummy on the Orient Express. Uh, Tom Baker is telling me at a certain point, like, hey, your brother's dead. So we just need to work to like save yeah. everybody else. And again, it felt very similar because there's very little compassion to it because the doctor's like, I don't have time for that right now. Yeah, like, he definitely you know, we, sees we the bigger patient yeah. because he's hesitant to essentially they want to kill him at one point or, or just do various things to, 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 to blow up. They're making essentially this re-entry point from the pyramid and they want to blow it up so right so they need to uh, they need to build a rocket to fire at mars because it's basically like a like a beam from mars is holding sutek in place in his tomb right in Egypt. So they can they blow up the pyramid of mars then they, they will can release free his prison. Yeah. yeah but they, they decide to blow up the rocket instead <clears throat> So they blow up the rocket. Um, we get some sharp shooting Sarah Jane, who gets the. She's awesome in this episode. She is. Uh, she is very resourceful. And yeah, and they're like, he's like, hey, can you make sure you hit that with a rifle? She's like, yeah, I got it. Got it. Yeah. Not a problem. <laughs> he dresses up as one of the robots, which is mm-hmm. fun. The yeah, so the mummy robots to me look a little silly. In fact, that's my only thing about this episode. I really liked it, but I wanted the kind of like, and Sutek is great. Yeah, but the mummy monsters themselves, that they weren't. They're a bit lumbering. Best. Yes, although they do have a. Uh, yeah. I do like they. They strangle people, but then they also they have one sort of horrific scene where they crush the guy between them. They put the poacher and they kind of crush him. Oh yeah, between them, that was kind with of their, with their barrel chests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very homoerotic, really. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then the doctor goes through the portal to Sutek. I assume. You know, you always give the doctor the benefit of the doubt. So it's like, I guess this was his plan all along. But he goes in. He he. What happens is Sarah Jane sh- does shoot the thing, which is supposed to blow up the spaceship. And they said, well, Sutek is using his mind to keep the explosion contained. But if I can distract him briefly, it'll work. So he goes in through the portal and distracts Sutek. It does blow up yeah. the the where they're building the rocket. Uh, but then Sutek is like, oh, hey, well, I'm going to control you now. <laughs> yep. Puts the doctor under his control, sends it back down. There's a whole plot line here until then that they say, like, well, just kill the doctor. We're done with him now. And then the doctor comes back alive and he says it's because he did what? Like, how did he? Oh, no, they, so they take uh, says, like, all right, uh, you're going to blow up the Pyramid of Mars. And then they say, oh, we can't do that anymore because the rock is blown up. But yes. don't worry, the doctor can take us to Mars and the TARDIS. And then the TARDIS, which go, he does. And they send him up. Uh, yes. And then. Then like, oh, great, we got to Mars. We can kill the doctor and they strangle him. But he has a respiratory bypass system where he doesn't have to breathe. So he fakes his death, basically. But then when he wakes up, he's no longer under the control of Sutek because yeah, Sutek, Sutek basically just, stopped thinking about him. He's like, yeah, yeah, you're done. You're dead. So I mean, so my benefit of the doubt is, yes, the doctor planned all of this all along. Like, I, No, I think so. His thought was, uh, I'll go to... Go distract uh, Sutek. I'll distract Sutek. If the rocket blows up, then... Then he's stuck. He doesn't have any other options. Like, and then didn't really count on the fact that Sutek would take him over, figure out. I think he says his line where he's like, "Oh, if you can do that with mental power, Sutek, then nothing is beyond you," or something like that. Like, I think he's surprised that Sutek is able to figure out where the TARDIS is and and actually bring it. uh, uh, I think bring. Well, yeah, figure out, see the TARDIS, extract the TARDIS from his mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so because anyway that breaks the link with Sutek, but he's still there. They're able to go stop them and. 
through like they, a uh, series of puzzles. It's clearly killing time in episode four where they're like, ah, oh, <laughs> there's a riddle here. Look at the riddle of the Osirens uh, where she's trapped in the glass tube. Uh, yes. <clears throat> and then so they basically throw Sutek into a pointing, pointing him in a time tunnel. Yes, which it never used ends. Before. And so now it's like, OK, we can't kill him, but he'll basically he'll die before he ever gets to the end. Gets of the, time the end tunnel. of the Yeah. Yeah, this is um uh this is a classic. This is definitely considered this is a, a well loved story, well remembered story. Uh, this is maybe you know, you're not surprised to hear this is Robert Holmes again, uh, who's sort of the great Doctor Who writer. He's uh, credited to Stephen Harris, um, and I believe it was a writer named Louis Griefer, uh, Griefer who wrote it, uh, or wrote a draft of it, and then Holmes was like, no, none of this is usable except maybe the pyramid part or something. So I'll rewrite it. Uh, and then we'll use the, the suit because the script editor couldn't technically write for his own show uh, back in the day. So anyway, uh, that's why it's credited to Stephen Harris. who's not a real person. It's a pen name. You get a very dark, as you mentioned, very dark fourth doctor, uh, you know, very callous. Uh, yeah. This is early Tom Baker. And so he well, wasn't quite as killed wacky. here in this episode, too. A lot, this is a high body count. A lot of people brutally kill you. You've got Lawrence strangled by his own brother. Uh, you have uh, Poacher crushed uh, between the two mummies. You have the Egyptian sort of burned alive by the... Uh, you have Ibrahim Nemin, right? He's the, the Egyptian in the house, burned alive by uh, Sudez. There's a lot, uh, a lot of the butlers strangled. So it's a very uh, brutal. And I, I actually remember this was a scary. When I was a kid, this was a scary episode. I remember this actually being I could say one that. of the ones that's scary. Uh, Sarah's fantastic in this. I love her. Uh, yeah. This is a great uh, line where uh, Lawrence Scarman is like talking. Oh, no, sorry, not Lawrence. It's the Dr. Warlock, uh, who's also brutally strangled. A lot of strangling. It's like, <laughs> Uh, explaining to the the possessed uh, Marcus Garman or something like, oh yes, the doctor and Lawrence and some very plucky young girl. And I was like, yeah, yeah. he's a very plucky young girl. So she's fantastic. Uh, you have Gabriel Wolf uh, playing Sutek, uh, who is fantastic with that voice. A bit of trivia, the mansion, the exteriors, the mansion that they filmed at was owned by Mick Jagger at the time. Oh. Uh, and they cut out, they had a lengthy just interlude of just uh, uh, the Rolling Stones playing uh, satisfaction, uh, just right in the middle of it. And then they're like, this, this just isn't working. Uh, so they cut that out. This is, there's also the very famous scene of, which is, it's clearly, again, needed to fill her. But, uh, you know, they get back to the TARDIS. Uh, they sneak into the TARDIS when the doctor's in the, uh, they're in the mansion or whatever. And they sneak in with Lawrence, uh, which is unusual, first of all, to bring the character, the, you know, the outside character into the TARDIS. Um, and Sarah's like, well, why don't we just leave? She's like, you know, we're all back in the house for safe. Uh, let's like just leave. Like they used to do in the first doc, with the first doctor. Yeah, but also, like, we know that Earth, I'm from the future. We know that Earth isn't destroyed in 1914. And so the doctor says, all right, I'll show you. And so they take off and then they land yeah. in 19. And then it's it's a wasteland. And uh, she's like, I'm from 1980. And, and then they like, have the whole conversation about saying, like, so we can do these things that change, which is very different from there's often these fixed point in time things and yeah. stuff like that. So. And I can't, it's maybe like the point is like, hey, we're maybe part of history. Like maybe us being there is actually a part of what, you Because know, they, they came happened. here accidentally. They right. Not, yeah. So yeah. maybe that's always been. So this is, and I'm going to, I hate to drag you into this, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to drop you into the middle of, of Doctor Who controversy here. Mm. This leads uh, to the very famous unit dating problem, uh, which is if you're a member of unit and you want to go on Tinder. No. This is <laughs> when are the unit stories set? When is Sarah says there's some stories that are supposed to be like the, the, the some argument that the stories are set in a, in a near future. So like 
the stories set there, the Pertwee era were set in like the late eighties, you know, late 80s, early eighties, late eighties, nineties, etc. Uh, but then other stories make it seem like unit is set in the present day uh, of those times. So in the mid seventies or whatever. Uh, and so when Sarah says I'm from 1980, uh, and they go to 1980. It's like, well, no, you you should be further ahead than 1980. I don't know. It it seems to create some issue with the dating of the stories. So people are like, never sure when exactly the unit uh, stories. So which goes back to folks a couple episodes ago of, of Mind Probe, maybe just two. Uh, we talked about present day set stories and the problems they create. But this uh, is yeah, this is clearly yeah. one of them. And then, yes, you have, uh, of course, uh, this is set in Egypt uh, or the beginning is set in Egypt. Uh, and I will just say I've also been there. Um, uh, and you know what? It's relevant to my early uh, Orient Express uh, trip in that. So when I was 40, I went on the Orient Express uh, because I loved Agatha Christie murder on the Orient Express. Uh, and then I was 45. I went to Egypt uh, and took the riverboat down the Nile that Agatha Christie took. Uh, and wrote Death on the Nile about. So uh, this is a sequel. That was a sequel trip uh, to my Orient Express uh, trip. And uh, I will just say uh, it was a fantastic. Go to Egypt. Uh, Egypt Tourism Council. Uh, you could also sponsor Mind Probe. But uh, um, uh, to make this relevant to the podcast, uh, I, during some of the tours and stuff like that, um, you know, the tour guides ask questions about uh, Egypt mythology and stuff. And I knew a number of answers because of this episode. <laughs> 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 well, does anyone know who uh, Seth's brother was? Like, Horace. I think it was Horace. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was like, oh, yeah, well, yes. And then they're like, uh, you know, you name, uh, oh, yes, the, all the, uh, the names of the gods are recorded in the tomb of Tutmosis III. And they're like, Yes, and like, yeah, because I have this episode memorized. <laughs> good, good stall. Good stall here. Are you ready for this, though? Are you ready for this song? Yes. <laughs> All the docks to the TARDIS hop and way. <laughs> way. <laughs> Theme like an Egyptian. <laughs> I um the bagels would be so proud. <laughs> I lost the button there. I couldn't find a button. I needed the button to I do understand. the thing. Yeah, I did a thing. Dim, dim, the thing. Uh good but, good call. I mean, um that was that was an early that was an early MTV music video, the the Bengals, right? Walk like an Bengals, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Susanna Hoff, an early crush of mine. Oh, Okay, so we're adherents of the repeating themes yeah. here on No Not the Mind Probe. Yeah. We like to look at ideas uh, that are threaded throughout uh, space and time, and uh, certainly <coughs> Doctor Who itself. John, what did you want to discuss today? All right, let's talk about all right, all right, this problem uh, because I held back. I held back in the discussion of Pyramids of oh. Mars, which is it doesn't make any sense. So let's actually talk about do stories need to make sense uh, to be enjoyable? So here's the, here's the many plot holes of Pyramids of Mars. Okay. Sutek is imprisoned in a tomb by Horus in Egypt from Mars. Well, so far, so good. In his tomb, he has robot mummies, all of the parts you need to build a rocket ship, uh, to f- a missile to fire at Mars and blow it up. So, like, why was yeah. he imprisoned by Horus with all of the things he needed to escape from his prison? <laughs> is one thing. Why, once he takes over Marcus Scarman, why? Does he ship? Do they have all of the stuff from the tomb shipped to England uh, to the house? Why not just build the rocket uh, in Egypt? Why send it all, all the way to uh, England to have that done? Why uh, does uh, once he uh, um, once 
once he's freed, right? So the Pyramid of Mars is or the thing is the Eye of Horus is destroyed, uh, and he's free at last. Sutek to just—he's the most powerful being in the universe to destroy the universe and all that kind of stuff. Why does he get in the time tunnel to go to England? <laughs> Why not just destroy everything from Egypt? But no, he's like, I gotta, go, I gotta go to England there first. So all of those, so massive plot holes through the whole thing. But yeah, as we'll see, one of my favorite stories and, and a fantastic story. So yeah, it's an interesting question of when do what do we think of plot holes? Do they, I mean, and, you know, I think, look, I'm not going to be giving anything away when I say there are a few, there are from time to time plot holes in Doctor Who, uh, you know, uh, aside from Pyramids of Mars. But does the story, does the story need to make sense to be enjoyable? Or why? when are we willing to overlook plot holes? And right, why? like what other aspects are, yeah. it's usually because there's other things that are fun about the, about the episode. And so you're like, oh yeah, I guess. Let's not think about that part too hard. Um, uh, Characters I mean, are interesting. Yeah. Not least of which is <clears throat> almost every single Doctor Who episode has the huge plot hole of, well, can't they just go back in time? And, right. You, you know, know, just. But that's because of the Blinovich limitation effect, remember? No, of right. course. <laughs> except when they can go back in time yeah, and change Except when something. they can absolutely 100% do that all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's like, you know, when we're enjoying ourselves, mm-hmm. when the individual scenes are fun then we can we can look p- past it and when we can't it, they appear more gaping i remember another time baker on an early one we watched was colony in space that also seemed that to have like, line, yeah. no 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 i'm thinking of the bugs on the ship I mean, is that col- not colony in space bugs on the ship i'll, I'll find it yeah. but <coughs> tom baker it it like i remember it being a really fun episode oh, ark in space ark in space, ark in yeah, space. Yeah. i'm sorry yeah, yeah. um ark in space i don't know why that one comes to mind I just think what that f- feels like one that if you went back and dissected through what is happening here, you'd be like, wait, what? Like, well, that doesn't really need to happen. But it's like, yeah, but it's kind of fun that there are these bugs and like, let's just not worry about it. Like it's what what are some modern who big plot hole examples that that you that are like discussed with the uh, who? It's a good question. I mean, I think I think one of the big ones is Stephen Moffat opens the door on time travel, right? And uh, and there's a lot of like sort of time loops and paradoxes, like the bootstrap paradox kind of thing that happened where it's like they went back in time. And, uh, you know, I, I think um, the Big Bang thing or something has like them going back the doctor going back in time. And uh, right. Yeah. He remember they imprisoned Amy in the Pandorica or they, they're about to imprison the doctor in the Pandorica. And then it's a big cliffhanger. And then it goes to the next episode. And it's like. It, they they open the Pandora because Amy's in it, uh, and it turned out like yeah she had somehow the doctor had gone into the future and then tur- yeah anyway it's like the time travel stuff opens up uh, opens up those plot holes uh, or you do like anytime you do that there's going to be like well can, or that's not interesting to paradox or can you do that I think um I think this is just yeah this is an interesting thing about like so I was trying to think about other big movies like we talked about this not long ago um Casablanca makes no sense uh right why would there, Rick is uh, has the letters of transit. Why would letters of transit signed by Charles de Gaulle get you out matter of Nazi <laughs> occupied Europe? Uh, another famous one is I think is really entertaining is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Not that it's necessarily a plot hole, but Indiana Jones is in completely irrelevant to the plot. If 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 Indy wasn't there, the Nazis would have gotten the Ark, opened it, and all died. Right, like he just creates like the, you remember they open the arc and all the Nazis' faces melt off. Uh, it's like okay, then if Indiana Jones hadn't been there, 
the Nazis would have just found the Ark because they had the the had the the headpiece to the staff of Ra, and they would have figured it out uh, and got it and all died. But so he does absolutely contributes absolutely nothing to the plot <laughs> whatsoever. So that's a media plot, plot hole, but less. Of it. But again, it's like it's so entertaining all the stuff that's going on around right, it. Right, right, yeah. That doesn't matter. And I mean, similarly here, I think with Pyramids of Mars is it's just like, oh, and, and, you know, you we could uh, that's again, everything that's going on around it. The the, the sets, the cat actors, the, the sort of trappings of this, you know, it is playing with all these mummy movie ideas and stuff like that. Uh, and that's entertaining. And Mummy on the Air Express um, more tightly plotted, although you also have like who's Gus? Where does Gus come from? Why does Gus want to do this? Right. Uh, you know, who's controlling him? It's like, eh, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I really I do think I think it's a good point in the sense that sometimes when there's episodes or movies that we don't like, people right. really go to task on the plot and they're like, oh, this doesn't make sense how this happened. It's so ludicrous and whatever. <clears throat> but you're right. The truth of it is like, that's all true. But mm-hmm. if we just enjoyed it more, we wouldn't care. Like, you know, yeah. and there's sometimes this ineffable thing where it, it's like, yeah, well, I guess we just they they didn't make it the potholes became too noticeable. I do think there's something to, if you're noticing the plot hole while you're watching the thing, the first yeah. time that's bad. Yes. If it's something that you like occurs to you later, but you were so kind of caught up in everything and just enjoying yourself, that you didn't really notice. And then later someone's like, like I, it has rarely happened for me that I've watched something and enjoyed it. And then someone points out like, yeah, but did you notice that, you know, the Nazis didn't really bother. It never makes you go like, how dare they? I now don't like that movie. It's like, no, you just sort of like, oh, yeah, that's funny. I didn't even think about that. Like, it wasn't, you know. Yeah. And Pyramids of Mars is a great example because I'd seen that for you. I mean, it's again, it's it's one of the ones that would have been repeated a lot when I was growing up and watching it. And so I and it was also one of the early VHS tapes. So it was one of the early ones that I had on tape uh, to watch over and over again. So I, and it took many years to realize, wait a second. Oh, wait, oh actually, wait, yeah, OK, that doesn't and like, yeah, it just doesn't it didn't it did not register with me and yeah i think if it's so entertainingly non it's if it's entertaining nonsense it works which is the flip side is like i love i appreciate a tightly plotted story right a, a well-crafted puzzle where the story is really clever and and, and uh, you know at the same time maybe it is like the problem with those is you maybe have to watch them several times i think that may be part of it is like i can maybe it's age but like I'll watch a story or a movie or something like that. And I don't, I did just some of the plot, but not a ton of it. <laughs> like, it's like, but I'm, a, I rewatch stuff too. So maybe, maybe I don't, maybe I just assume I'll watch it again. So I don't pay that close attention. But yeah, it's like, um, it, it's, you have to really signpost a plot for me to really be sort of steel trap grabbing. Otherwise, I'm just kind of like, oh, that's fun. Oh, that's entertaining. Oh, that's cool. And this, collider article about the big plot holes in doctor who there's uh they talk about the clara when when clara goes into the timeline and stitches up everything that basically the episode before that was mentioned they can't do that yeah and they just sort of did yeah and that and and i didn't love that episode that much and i think something like that when when there's a plot thing gone wrong one of the things that does feel bad is when it's something like that like Oh, you you told us we can't do that, but now we're doing it. It gets that thing we we talk about. I think when you watch your uh, proce- procedurals a lot, where where something happens in the plot, where you're like, "Well, how could I have known that?" Like, yeah, you told me we couldn't do that, and you now to be the, fair. the resolution is, "Well, actually, we can." It's like that feels very unsatisfying. That sticks out. Yeah, yeah. If you break your own rules. Mm. <coughs> 
All right. I'm 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 still coughing, but I'm I'm making it through here. Yeah. But huge huge plot holes in No Not the Mind Pro episodes. I mean, oh yeah, they barely hang together. Barely hang together. Well, and remember, we had whole characters like we had uh, Jenna, and then yeah. like she was in the <laughs> early seasons. If look, if you listen to him now. You won't even. It, it, she's yeah. all been cut out, but she was like, there was a third prober, and we yeah, just. And she was yeah. the dodo of our of our. Of our <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> all right, we have ranked 186 Doctor Who stories uh, out of the 300. That is our goal. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna we're gonna get, there, we're gonna get too closer. We're gonna rank these two. Mm-hmm. Let me pull my own old. Your little ranker, your little ranker up, up there. Here. All abacus. right, so first, Mummy on the Orient Express. Yeah, this was the first. This was the best Peter Cabaldi one so far, both because he was good. <coughs> Hang in there. Hang in there. <coughs> you have your hand up. <laughs> Put your hand up on the on the <laughs> on the on the thing we're recording on. Now, just, on my screen says Porter Mason has something to say. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to hit the mute button. <laughs> He's hanging in there, folks. He's hanging in there. He's hanging in there. <clears throat> uh, all right. I ranked Mumby on the Orient Express 25 out of 186. I liked it. Best Peter Capaldi episode so far. Mm-hmm. And Pyramid of Mars, I did really like. I ranked it right around Hand of Fear. It was another Sarah Jane story that oh, yeah, I really liked, be. which I isn't in like my top. 10 or 20, but I did really enjoy it. So it's a number 44. I ranked oh, okay. her, her midst of Mars. Very nice. Yeah, we're close to agreement here. Uh, Mummy on the Orient Express is, yeah, one of my, is one of probably the, so far the strongest new series ones or middle series, whatever we're calling it. Uh, definitely one of the strongest Peter Capaldi so far, although we have more coming that I think are going to be good. This is probably not going to be the highest Peter Capaldi, uh, but I've got number 20 um, right uh, above the three doctors below robot. Yeah, I just kind of worked my way down from the top 10 because I was like, hey, this, is, this is a really top story. It's just really strong story. Great Capaldi performance. Uh, it's really it is a tightly scripted story, but also really entertainingly, uh, entertainingly done. And uh, I think also, again, we're seeing Capaldi just become more and more the doctor. Like every episode now, we're seeing more speeches, more moments from him. We didn't talk about uh, it was a great moment in this one where he uh, he talks to the expert on the foretold on the train and he has the. Uh, he sits down to talk to him and he pulls out a cigarette case and he opens the cigarette case and has jelly babies in it. Uh, and he like, hands the guy a jelly baby like it's a cigarette. Um, so yes, number number 20 uh, from Mummy on the Orient Express. And then Pyramids of Mars. Yeah, Pyramids of Mars is one of my top all time. It is a great, great story again that I grew up with and watched over and over again. Classic Tom Baker and Sarah Jane. Scary story. Definitely one of the more horror stories uh, uh, of the time. Um, I love and I love I do like I have a soft spot for anything that tries to play with existing mythologies and sort of add a sci fi spin or some kind of or it's like, oh, if you piece together this dogma, this mythology or whatever. So I also I like in spite of being a pretty militant atheist, I love like those like the Da Vinci Code esque sort of you know religious conspiracy like again taking sort of a, a old old mythology and turning it into something so i've got pyramids of mars at number 13 just out of my top 10 uh right above the five doctors and below voyage of the dan which is the titanic one and remembrance of the daleks just a really solid story and definitely one i just i'll rewatch every every few years it's definitely one of the ones that i've got pretty much memorized <clears throat> Well, when I put in the old supercomputer here, um, they are now both in our top 20. All right. Mm -hmm. So Mummy on the Orient Express is, interestingly, tied with Voyage of the Damned, which they feel very similar. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Those two. 
and they are both episodes which we both ranked relatively highly. So they're actually higher, or Mummy on the Orient Express at least, is ranked 15, higher mm-hmm. than either of us ranked it, but we yeah. both ranked it highly, so it ends up higher. As I said, tied with Voyage of the Dams, and then Pyramids of Mars is tied for 20 yeah, with Vincent spot. and the Doctor and the Christmas Invasion. So I think that's a good, good spot. Let's look at Doctor Who magazine here. The Doctor Who magazine has both of these highly ranked. So Mummy on the Orient Express is number three uh, out of 35, wow. uh, the Capaldi ones. So uh, in the top three, definitely considered um, one of the first classics. Uh, and put this uh, put this writer Jamie Matthewson on the map for Who fans. Uh, and similarly, Pyramids of Mars, number three of 41 uh, of the Tom Baker years. So just so number one, City of Death, number two, Genesis of the Daleks, number three, Pyramids of Mars, number four, Robots of Death, number five, Talents of Wing Chang. So in a, a very solid section of actually almost all of those except for uh, City of Death, uh, produced by Philip Hinchcliffe and written by Robert Holmes. So, um, uh, you know, clearly, clearly an era that everybody loves. But uh, yeah, so both uh, both number three, so both highly ranked. And well, Pyramids of Mars has always been very high, uh, three or four. And in our Capaldi watch, this rockets him even farther up the charts yeah, as your number climbing. one doctor. It moves him now well ahead of Tenant for me now. So mm. making some some ground there. Um, and uh, yeah, for you, he's like, but far and away your favorite doctor. Yeah, and that's just right. how it is. All right. Well, you can see do not it. all of what we just said, but some no. of what we just said, yeah. including the rankings on the web on the website, mindprobe.show. You can also uh, see how to subscribe to the show there. We'd love it if you did that. Uh, subscribe on it. Apple uh, Podcasts or Spotify and give us a rating. Give us a give us also <laughs> just share us share share the podcast with sure, friends. Yeah, tell, tell your friends. Watch us on the YouTube and share your thoughts. Oh yeah. Comment. The YouTube is confusing YouTube. to me. There are yeah. uh, I, I look at it occasionally. As in our our channel, I don't I don't mean the YouTube itself is confusing. I look oh, I look okay. at the YouTube and I am confused and frightened <laughs> by it. But like the views are like uh, the time heist rebos operation episode fifteen views. Okay, then into the Dalek and the Invisible Enemy one view. <laughs> just, yeah, that one just didn't. Uh, uh, our fans angered angered apparently by it uh, uh, on some level. Talons of Wenchang twenty two views. I mean, yeah, just, yeah, uh, it makes sense, right? That's a big one in deep breath. People wanted to hear about the Capaldi. Uh, yeah, it's very, it's, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand you people. Well, so go to YouTube, watch some of the shows further, Comment. just watch Speak. shows in a confusing way yeah, that will mystify think us. of John as like sort of a house cat that you're trying to just do things to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to throw off the track and just confuse yeah, and like cause problems. A, like a little, like a little ball of foil just thrown in front of me and I'm confused and frightened. And you can also see on our, on our website, the watch order, you can watch along with us, see what we're going to watch next. John, tell us if they don't want to go to the website and they just are like, why don't you tell me right now because I'm yeah. listening to this episode. What are we going to watch next? Yeah, what are we going to watch next? Uh, we're moving on in the Capaldi comment. We're coming to the end of the season. We're starting to get to the to the finale here. But we have uh, Flatline, um, which is you know, the present day story. It has an interesting, interesting twist, interesting monsters here or new set of monsters here. Um, and also features the incredible shrinking TARDIS. Uh, TARDIS uh, um, um, becomes uh, and Peter, poor Peter Capaldi trapped inside um, a little tiny TARDIS that keeps getting smaller and smaller. So I've paired that with a first doctor, Barbara, Ian and Susan. Very early story where uh, they are shrunk down to 
tiny ants size uh, and end up landing in like a garden path uh, in, in England. Uh, so this and, is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, basically. Yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But here it's called Planet of the Giants. Uh, oh. This little play, I'm like, oh, but it's not. A, it's just Earth. Ah, yeah, it's not. A, I mean, it's not a major twist. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, so we'll be we'll be we'll be shrunk down to size uh, in our upcoming uh, upcoming eps. You know, I was hoping when I was coughing there and falling in the ground, mm-hmm. trying to point to you to say like, John, maybe you talk now. Yeah, you talk. And instead, you took a long drink of water. I did. As well, to kind I- of like. Empathizing. Maybe, maybe your drink would help clear my throat. <laughs> I was empathizing with you. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think it's fine. I think people, people appreciate the sort of warped and all style of this, of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like, ooh, that's that's behind the scenes stuff that you don't get to see. Well, they better, they better appreciate shows. it because yeah. that's that's what they're getting. <laughs> We're not going to edit that. <laughs> Mindprobe.cough. <laughs>